So friends, we are people. <laughs> we, we need the Lord. And I want to invite God's presence to continue to be at work in us. Um, we've had some wonderful songs from some of our history. And thank you for, for sharing. I, I feel like some of the songs today are new to me or some of them are from my childhood. And yet they continue to speak now. Um, so let's, let's just open our hearts in prayer. God, thank you that you are here, that you've brought us here from all places, uh, from different generations, um, from different backgrounds, and yet we're here for you. Uh, we're here because uh, we, we need your life to fill us, and we want to be people who are guided uh, by, your, by your saving, by your healing, by your freeing. So be with us today as we look into your word. Speak to us, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. So good morning, church. Um, as I was getting ready for worship today, uh, you may notice that we kept adding more and more time on, and it's me, I'm to blame. Uh, we have a couple of moving pictures, GIFs or GIFs, I call them GIFs. Uh, I will fight you about it later on for all those who say the hard G sound. <laughs> and um, we couldn't get it to work on our, on our pro presenter, but we were able to get some help, and so I think that we have a few to share with you today. I have to say that every great story of change and adventure, every great story of adventure begins with a call. For Rocky Balboa, it was the call to play heavyweight champion Apollo Creed for the, the title of boxing champion. Wait, is heavyweight boxing champion of the world? Something like that. It's been a while since I saw this movie. Here he is, right, he's getting ready to fight. For Frodo, it was the call to bring the one ring through a dangerous quest from his home in the Shire to the fires of Mount Doom in Mordor to save their universe from destruction by the evil Sauron. And I understand if you've never read Tolkien or watched, uh, watched the movies, the sentence I said makes no sense at all. <laughs> For Frodo, it was that call. For Elle Woods, it was actually an acceptance letter from Harvard Law School that ushered her way to finding her voice and stepping into her vocation as a lawyer. Yes, I am talking about the movie Legally Blonde. For each of these people, the call they received thrust them into a time of transition where life as they knew it had changed. They were thrown into this in-between where they couldn't go back to the way it had been and the future was still unknown. I think I just showed it right now, but for us, Wellspring was thrust into time of position when we got a phone call. Here's actual footage of me receiving that phone call. <laughs> or, or not, or not, yeah, not actual footage of me. Um, and it was a good phone call. Uh, it was a phone call from the owner of this building, uh, who many of you may remember we sold this building to in 2020, uh, when the, the ground, the leasehold rent for it was just too high for us. It was really cutting into our ability to, like, to, to have a mission as a church and to, to do ministry together. And so we decided to sell it, and God provided a buyer who bought this building. For the last two years, we've been staying on um, as his lessees. And his business is doing well. He's this wonderful Christian guy. And now it is time for us to move. Hence this, the shocked Michael Scott face or surprised, I don't know. So that began our transition. That began our call to adventure, an actual phone call. It moved us into this place of transition where, where we have been is no longer really there. Right? What, what we've known, we can't go back to. We're in this in-between space. And the future still seems kind of unclear. And so that's where we are as Wellspring. We have some things figured out. We, we, I'll be talking a bit more about our place later on that we're moving to. Uh, we're currently waiting on getting uh, the lease back that we, we edited and sent back to the new landlord who is currently editing it. And we'll get it back to us. So we're kind of uh, in the hurry up and wait part of this. Uh, but we are in transition. 
And I think broader as a culture, we are all in a state of transition, um, still navigating some of what COVID is doing and how we are doing as a, as a community, but really coming out of a time where uh, we, we really were in um, upheaval and uh, lots of division and having really difficulty hearing each other. Um, perhaps less in our church community where I think you all do a really great job of listening, but in our broader culture, it's just a really time of upheaval. And it's not ending anytime soon. We are in a transition time even right now where the way things have been are changing. We're not really sure of where it will land, but we know right now we are in the land between. We are in the space between. And so we are beginning here at Wellspring to talk about the space between. We're talking about the place of transition. And we're gonna be going through a whole series that Larry began last week, looking at transition through one of the most thorough and long-standing stories in scripture, a story of transition. And it's the story of the children of Israel as they move from the land of Egypt, as they move to renewal and new life in the promised land. It's a very big between story. It actually takes place over four of the first five books of the Bible. And over the next 10 weeks together, we're gonna to be looking at different moments in the story. So it's gonna be in July and August right when we're doing our move right we're gonna be looking at different pit stops along the way um, that the children of Israel went through as they moved through this transition as they moved from life as they had always known it sort of under the thumb of Pharaoh as they moved to freedom in God's deliverance now last week Larry invited us into the call of God's freedom because oftentimes our our times of transition begin with a call to something and for Wellspring, it begins, uh, it began with a call, a phone call, but also the call to keep following God as God leads us into a new chapter. And Larry looked at the, the burning bush experience and um, Moses there and what he received from God and the, the dream that was lit within him, God's dream for further freedom and to go back to his, the land that he had grown up in, that he was currently a fugitive from and to bring God's good news there uh, and begin a time of um, of civil disobedience and of transformation. So we're looking at the story of transition. And even as we look at the story, it's, it's all throughout Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we're gonna be pulling from it. And while we're talking about transition, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that this is like a real life story with a real life situation and a real life God. So we're gonna be talking about transition from it, but it's also a story about real life people who were being oppressed, who God saw and heard and God moved to act because this is how God is introduced in Hebrew scriptures as the deliverer, as the one who sees, as the one who keeps promises. So as we pull different nuggets about transition out um, of this text, I don't want us to lose sight of the big picture, which is that God is the God of deliverance and freedom who moves on behalf of those who need help. So we're gonna go ahead, we're gonna look at Exodus uh, chapter four, verses 27. Um, now, our passage for today, it's not an emotional passage. It's not like Exodus 2, where the young Hebrew mother, Jochebed, under pain of her own life, decides to hide her newborn son, even putting him in a waterproof basket in the crocodile-laden Nile River in an attempt to keep him safe from the soldiers of Pharaoh that were going around and killing every newborn Hebrew boy. It starts out with so much drama, so much heart-wrenching pain. This story is not that story. It's not an emotional story. We don't see Jacobed saving Moses along with her, her daughter, Miriam. We don't see that in this passage. The passage we're looking at, it's not a mysterious passage like we saw with Larry last week. It's not in Exodus 3 
where God with an enigmatic name sounding like breath, Yahweh, speaks out of this burning bush that does not consume and calls for freedom and newness. It's not a dramatic passage like we see later on in Exodus 7 and 9, where the, the powers of Egypt are fully confronted with the signs of God's advocating presence, where God eventually turns even Pharaoh's hard and compassionless heart against him to serve God's purposes. It's not a dramatic passage. Lastly, our text for today is not a confusing passage. And if you read all of Exodus 4, there is a very confusing passage right before this one. <laughs> it happens along the way, and we're not sure what exactly happens, but something interesting happens there, and all the commentators say it's confusing. This is not that passage. Today's passage is a between passage. It takes place between the call to freedom and the full confrontation of the powers of Egypt. It takes place physically between the adoptive home of Midian, where Moses has been living, and between the land of Egypt, it takes place between. And there's three narrative scenes that take place between different groups of people. So as we talk about transition and we talk about the land between and what we can do when we find ourselves in between spaces, uh, we're looking at a between passage today. So let me go ahead and read from Exodus 4, uh, verses 27. We're going to go through this uh, just one little verse at a time. The Lord said to Aaron, remember this is Moses' brother, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. This is the word of the Lord. Now, friends, times of transition can be where we uh, most realize our aloneness in the world. Oftentimes, moving to a new place, starting a new job, um, going to a new school, having a new child or grandchild, beginning a retirement. These transitions in our life can be times where uh, sometimes it's harder to keep in touch with our friends or our friends don't necessarily understand exactly what we're going through, even though they want to be there for us. Times when we're most aware of our, of our inner isolation. When Dan and I, when we moved to seminary in 2014 with our two young sons, I remember we had a wonderful support system back here and we were making some good friends there, but still felt like we were very much alone, like no one really knew what we were going through. And then one day uh, I was at this lunch and I saw this mom who looked like she was maybe my age and she was pushing a stroller with a toddler in it who was about Andre's age. And I was so happy. I'm like, oh, there's someone who gets it. And come to find out she has three more children. She and her husband were both going to seminary full-time. I think I maybe have a picture of them. Uh, it's a little bit more modern one. Do I have a picture of them? I don't. Oh, there we go. This is from a little later on. Uh, her son is now like, all kids are grown. But what's great about it is we knew we were not alone. We had allies. And over the next four or five years, we had so many late night snacks together and uh, super late study sessions and our kids played together. We knew we were not alone. We had allies with us. And what I love about this passage of between that we can take with us in our transitions is that in our between times, we can find allies to pull with us which is number one in your notes. Find allies to pull with you. In between times, you can find allies to pull with you. Here in our text, God sends Aaron to Moses. These brothers haven't seen each other in maybe 40 years because Moses has been on the run from a Pharaoh who wanted to kill him. So here they meet in the desert. I want you to imagine their meeting. 
I, I, my guess is they can see each other coming. The desert is kind of an arid place. And yeah, there's this mountain there, but it's, they're kind of in the flatlands. I can imagine he saw his brother coming a ways off. And they ran to meet each other. It says here, the text, they leaned in and they kissed each other. Can you just imagine kissing big smooches on either side of their face? It's this lovely scene. They're leaning in. This, friends, is what you and I can do with each other. The leaning in part. I'm not so sure about the kissing. We're not in Europe. <laughs> we can lean into each other when we go through transition. And that's what we can be doing this summer. We can either lean in. And the other tendency, uh, aside from leaning in, is to leave. Right? You can lean in or you can leave. That's a temptation we can often have in our between times. I once had a friend who talked to me. Um, we were talking about different things in life, and she said this. She says, I'm so glad I didn't know you when your, when your son had cancer. I'm so glad I didn't know you when your son had cancer. And it was a kind of a jarring statement, but I got what she was trying to say. What she was trying to say is, I don't know how I would have accompanied you through that. That would be really hard. I think sometimes in our times of transition, sometimes it's a little hard and we, we do need to take breaks. But sometimes there's also a gift that comes when people do choose to lean in. Sometimes there's a gift that comes, whether it's time spent with someone that you wouldn't normally have, whether it's something precious that's discovered together as you go through something really hard and you come to find out things about yourself as well as your friend. There's something really precious when we choose to not leave, but we choose to lean in. Now, sometimes leaving is the right decision. Sometimes you have to take breaks for your mental health. You're like, you know what? I got to take a break from you until you're, you have a, your life a little bit more under control. But sometimes, friends, sometimes we're called to be the ally. Sometimes we're called to lean in. And my invitation to you all is, as Wellspring goes through our transition, as we move this summer, for us to be each other's allies for us to lean in, not leave. Let's go ahead and move along in our text. Very next verse. This is verse 29. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. Do you see how the text just skipped like that? This is the very next verse, and suddenly the setting is they're now in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed, right? Because God had given him signs to show that God was with them. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. See how the narrative shifts? As they get into the land of Egypt, what's the first thing they do? Is it to go straight to Pharaoh, confront the powers that be? Right, do, you go, do they go straight to court armed with Moses' cool staff and the signs God has given them? no. Instead, Aaron and Moses, they meet with the elders of the children of Israel. They meet with the stakeholders. Now, children of Israel is just a long name used for Jacob's descendants. Because remember, Jacob also called Israel. He's the one, um, because of him and his son Joseph, who had the dream, who God used to save all of Egypt in the ancient Near East during a catastrophic famine. It's because of them that they're living in Egypt. Because that's where they were able to store food. That's where they were able to bring people through the famine. And for a while, the children of Israel, so Joseph and all his brothers, they were treated like VIPs, like royalty. They were celebrities in Egypt. But the text tells us it's 400 years later, and Egypt no longer sees them as special celebrities 
or special guests, but rather has begun to view them as a threat and has taken them as forced labor, as slaves. So can you imagine meeting with the stakeholders of this group of people after a long day of hard labor? They're not supposed to gather in large groups, right? Pharaoh is, is really threatened by that. So they had to slip their way into this place unnoticed, maybe in groups of just one or two. I could imagine they had cloaks hanging over the windows and maybe just one or two lanterns lit. And they're talking quietly, leaning in to each other to avoid drawing attention as they hear that God has remembered them, that God has seen what they are going through, that God's promise to them still applies. And in that moment, Moses and Aaron, they build consensus. This brings us to number two in your notes. In our own times of transition, in the between times, you and I, we can seek to build consensus too. We can seek to lead and be led by God's heart. So that's what they were doing in this room as they were sharing the good news. We can seek to build consensus. Here at Wellspring, I remember when we first found the, the, the space uh, not too far from here that we're going to be moving to, one of the first things we did was just share it with, with people in the transition teams. We went ahead and we met on Zoom. We showed pictures. We invited anyone who wanted to come and see it, come and see it. And many ministry team leaders, many of you went to, to see the new place. Um, and it, in doing that, we were able to find ourselves at a consensus, in those one-on-one -on -one meetings, in Zoom rooms, and then later on when we wound up having a whole town hall here and we asked really good questions, we listened to each other, we were able to come to consensus. I think that's great. I'm like, wow, that was like even before we looked at this text, we were building consensus. I know behind it all is this desire to be led by God's heart, God's heart for blessing. Because here in this room where they are sharing this news, where Moses and Aaron are, are talking to the elders of the children of Israel, they're sharing with them the fact that God's promise is continuing. The same promise when God first met with um, Abraham and Sarah and promised that through them, through ever widening circles of blessing, all nations of the earth would be blessed. That it still applied to now. That God's dream has not died. And God was rebirthing that, re-sparking that within them. Saying the time is now. It's been a while, but I have not forgotten. The people in that room, they believed. They wanted to be led by God's heart. They worshiped. In that room, there was so much unity and joy as they built consensus together. And friends, in your workplace, um, if, if you're going through a time of transition, I know many, many of you are, um, even if you're newly retired or you've um, a, new, a new space in your life, for the decisions that need to be made, this is a good time to build consensus, to talk with people and listen and be like, how are things going? How are you experiencing life right now? And then to ask yourself, right, it's a follower of Jesus, because Jesus is at work everywhere, right? In your workplace, in schools, in neighborhoods. Um, right? God is not limited to this space, right? But God is actually everywhere working for good and wants to, to partner with us, right? So you can, you can be asking yourself, like, in this place of transition I'm at, at work, like, you know, with, with this big decision I need to make in my life, how can I be led by God's heart? God's heart for goodness, God's heart for freedom, God's heart for, for, for new, new life. It's a question we can be asking ourselves, too. And I know as Wellspring was looking at places to land, one of the things that, we, that really drew us to the place uh, down the street is that it's not flashy and it's not the top of our, our total range that we could be paying. Um, it's, a good, it's a good amount of rent, but it's not the 
the very utmost we could try to stretch to. And now I'm wondering who's listening to this online. No, <laughs> don't make it any higher. <laughs> oh, goodness. We'll, we'll edit that out later. Um, but what we loved about it is that it <laughs> Don't you love that? Uh, what, I, what I loved about it is that it, it lets us still be able to do meaningful ministry. It's not this huge flashy place that says, hey, look at us as a church. We've arrived. We really have it all together. But instead, it's a, it's a good home base that will let us continue to do meaningful ministry. Because what we want to be about is led by God's heart. It's not about how flashy of a place or how, how big it is or what it says about us, but rather about us being continuing to be led by God um, into God's new life for us and for our world. So if, you, if you're following along in your notes, um, so far, right, we had the scene of Moses and Aaron at the mountain. They're meeting each other. And we know from our own life transitions that we can, in transition times, we can find allies, um, lean in instead of leaving. And then um, here in this, in this, the very next verse, we see them building consensus with the leaders of the children of Israel, right? And they're, 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 um, they're seeking to be led by God's heart. And then that brings us to point number three. And that's in between times, we can move together from a place of unity and connectedness. Because what did they do from there? From that place where they were all leaning in and building consensus, they moved together from that place of unity and connectedness. They believed in God's power to break through because it was from there that they went to Pharaoh. So you started out just Moses and Aaron. Then it's Moses, Aaron, and the whole group of the stakeholders, the children of Israel, and with their combined power and unity of heart, that's when they go to Pharaoh's court with all of its entourage, all of the people, all of the expectations and the weight of empire. They move together. Let's go ahead and read that text. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. The text just says it so plainly. It's kind of even flatly written. Afterwards, they go, and this is what they say. But can you imagine how it might have felt to be in that room as Moses, who was this long, long-hunted fugitive of the state, walks in with his brother? And they, they dare to invoke the name of the God of the Israelites. Who is that God anyway? They have all their gods of Egypt. And they dare say to let them go. Can you imagine how it must have felt? Right, Pharaoh holds the power of life and death in Pharaoh's hand. And here they are doing this shocking thing. No wonder movies have been made about this. This is an incredibly dramatic scene. So maybe I lied a little bit when I said this passage wasn't dramatic. It is. <laughs> it just states it very plainly. Then they went, and this is what they said. Right? It wasn't in Pharaoh's best interest to let his free workforce go. But friends, it was in God's interest to do so. Because creator God desires, even demands goodness for the whole world, and has power to break through and co-create with us movements of change and transition to greater freedom. Creator God has the power to break through situations filled with pain and misery in all of life's transitions and spaces and bring comfort and newness. Creator God has the power to bring new life and freedom where there's been oppression, bring comfort where there's pain, mending where there's brokenness, new chapters, new life out of dead ends in this life and the next. 
There's this one quote that has stayed with me for a really long time. Whenever I feel like uh, life's a bit much or transition's a, a little bit hard, it's from um, Josephine Butler, and she was this woman in Victorian England who uh, basically laid the foundations for the modern social work movement. And she worked to, to develop awareness for human trafficking where there had previously not been awareness for this. And she worked tirelessly throughout her life. She was this, this um, wonderful Christian lady who loved Jesus. And she worked to advocate for women and children. She even uh, changed the age of consent in, in England from 13 to 16. It's, I think, currently 16. This is all from Josephine Butler's work. She said this quote that it stays with me. She says, God and one woman make a majority. <laughs> God and one woman make a majority. If I could paraphrase her, it would be to say that God and one human make a majority. God and one person make a majority. If we, if we think about for a minute, why did it take so long for God to move with his children of Israel? Why were they in slavery for so long? And I don't know the exact answer to that, but I, I wonder if it's because God was waiting for that one person, that one family that would be able to have the inner metal to stand up to Pharaoh. Because Moses, he didn't just wake up a liberator overnight. He came from a strong family, from Jochebed who hid him, from Miriam who watched him as he was out on the Nile and then talked to the, the princess, to Pharaoh's own daughter, as they co-conspired with her to house Moses, to save him. Moses comes from a long line, or maybe not a long line, it's short, just that generation into, he comes from a strong line of people who've said no to empire. His mom, Jochebed, his sister, Miriam, Moses, and now his brother, Aaron, joining as an ally. Maybe it took so long because God was waiting for this family who would stand up and say, with God, let my people go. And friends, you and I, in our own places of transition, with whatever breakthrough we need to have uh, with God, with others, within our own selves, Sometimes it doesn't feel like we're enough. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we have enough wisdom or enough strength or enough insight into the situation. But friends, with God, you're a majority. You can break through. <laughs> with God, you just need to be with God. God is the, the main driving force here. But God also does not act alone. God does not act to free alone. God does not act to mend alone, even to save alone. God works through humans, most notably through Jesus the truest human who ever was, who finds our way home for us, who heals our wounds, who helps us break through in every area of life that we need that insight, we need that strength, we need that hope, that courage, that vision. Friends, some of you might be in a between place now. You might be in a time of transition. Maybe the time of transition came uh, really suddenly for you. Maybe it was a phone call with uh, not great news. Maybe it's a joyful transition, a new birth of a baby or a grandchild, or you recently retired. Maybe it's a difficult transition. Your life looks completely different than how you had hoped. You're feeling less connected, more isolated. And you just woke up and realized you were in this place. Others of you, the place of transition, the between space, it happened more gradually. Marriage slowly eroding over time, not even sure why you're married anymore. Stress and busyness built up this frenzied pace of life, and now your life is not ever what you imagined it would be. Friends, in your between space, whether you entered it suddenly or slowly, the terrain is familiar. We know that God moves particularly in between spaces, desiring to break us through 
to greater goodness in our life, in our world, in our family. If you are in a time of transition, you are not meant to go back to the way it was. If there's something you know now about life, maybe something you've discovered as you do your own deconstruction or reconstruction, something you've discovered about the world around you, maybe there's things you know now about our water supply that you can't unknow. Maybe you're being called to do something about that. Maybe God's inviting you to do something in the in-between where you can't go back to the way it was. The future is still unknown. September 13, 1900, this woman named Nanny Helen Burroughs, she stood up at the National Baptist Convention and from a place of connectedness and unity, she gave this breakthrough speech. And I think I have a picture of her right here. You'll get it, okay, there we go. There's Nanny Helen Burroughs. She gave the speech called, How the Sisters Are Hindered from Helping. And she literally stood up at the National Baptist Convention to give this in 1900. Now, as some of you uh, may know, if you follow the news, the Southern Baptist Convention just met a couple weeks ago and they decided uh, against ordaining women. They used to ordain women back like in the 60s and 70s and then stopped doing that. And they decided to keep on with their present way of doing things. For many, it was a really strong blow. So you can imagine all the way back over 100 years ago when Nanny Helen Burroughs stood up at her National Baptist this convention and gave the speech how the, the women are hindered from helping and implored the pastors and the male leaders to let the women partner with them in God's work of saving, freeing, and healing. Let them be, be uh, alongside them in preaching and teaching and speaking. And you know, the men listened. This was in 1900. They listened. And because of her, her entire denomination was thrown into a time of transition. It was a between period as they wrestled. They didn't want to go back to the way things were, right? Her words had stirred up something in them that they saw in Jesus in the Gospels, yet they weren't quite sure what the future would hold. And then in the end, they actually started a whole new wing of their denomination, and she was the president of it. <laughs> She's a really amazing woman. Uh, she wound up encouraging Martin Luther King Jr. as he was beginning his, his own uh, fight for justice. She died in the 60s, so she lived in a very interesting time. She advocated... Um, all across the mainland against lynching. She worked for civil rights. She worked for so that women could vote and she worked so that people could come to know Jesus. So this is Nanny Helen. There was a lot that she stood up against and God was with her to find a place between where things could be wrestled with and worked in and that God could bring her people into greater freedom. Friends, God is still at work now in all of our betweens, whether it's here at Wellspring, where we can't go back to the way things were and we're still sorting out how it will be. God is at work in your family, in your relationships, in your workplace, in your own wrestling. You don't have to go back to the way things were. In fact, you probably can't. But God does want to usher something new for you to break through for you. So friends, in our transitions, we can lean in. Let's lean in, not leave. Let's be allies to each other. In our transitions, we can work to build consensus Right, as we seek to be led and, and lead according to God's heart. And lastly, we can believe that God is a God of breakthrough and we can go on together in unity and connectedness. So friends, if you're not in an in-between time, someone around you is. What might God be calling you to today? Let's pray. God, today we celebrate your long-standing memory you who keep the dream of covenant love alive, you who answer prayers centuries after the people who spoke them died, you are still answering prayers. We thank you for that. 
We celebrate you, God, and the way you call us out into between spaces so that there, as we wrestle, we can, we can go into greater goodness and freedom for ourselves, for others, for the world around us with you. Thank you that you are God particularly present in transitions and that you are even moving us into this time of transition. Be with us, Lord. Help us be good allies to each other, to lean in and not leave. Help us to believe that you are a God of breakthrough. We are here for you, Lord. And we know that you are with us as we walk through these next two months together where we cannot go back to the way it was, where the future is still unknown, but a future with a good God, you in it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.